0: Freaking out auto! This this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark Matt Marcus. Sorry about just Mike, Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, let's go. It is the Brock and Saul Show. Seattle Sports on seven hundred and ten. SeattleSports Seattle Sports app. Podcast platforms. Hello. Out there, good to be with you guys on, I know what is for many, a school vacation week. But hopefully uh, hopefully you're around today and listening or maybe catching us on a little later on the podcast on your vacation. Please spend your vacation with your kids listening to us. That's all we ask. I don't think it's that much. I mean, like, you have limited amount of time away from work, and you're going to spend that with your kids. And what we're saying is while you go on vacation with your family, your kids, whatever, instead of spending time with them, spend time with us. And I, I think it's a reasonable request, and that's uh, all we Can ask. Can you get
1: of you. your kids to listen to us?
0: No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I, I, there's no chance I could do that. But uh, I did get to spend quite a bit of time with my kids this weekend. A little long weekend action. Uh, my wife went out of town on Saturday, so uh, yeah, it was a little solo parenting. Uh, with two kids, no problem. Throw in a very elderly dog, much bigger problem. So, oh, yes. Wendell. Oh, poor Wendell, man. It is it is a bad scene. Woke up last night at uh, 1230 and uh, needed to go out, so I, I got him. And as I was carrying him downstairs, because he's too old to go down the stairs, uh, some poop shot out of his backside onto oh. the rug
1: more than i needed to
0: which know. i then got to clean up after taking him out at twelve thirty at night before our four thirty wake-up time so yeah that was uh that was a distinct highlight of my weekend all right i won't complain too much i promise <laughs> it actually was a great weekend you know what i did this weekend before we get into some scott service down here etc i did the underground seattle tour oh yeah have you ever done that it? no i haven't dude it was awesome I absolutely like, I know it's a tourist thing, obviously. And I would say 75% of the people there were were in from out of town. But I took the kids, it was really cool. Like, you go under Pioneer Square and learn, like, basically the whole history of how Seattle was created and built up. And I don't know, I really dug it. If you ever get an opportunity, the guy was great who did it. And uh, he was funny, he was entertaining. It was about an hour and 15 minutes. So it's not like it takes up too much time. And uh, yeah, I totally recommend it. All right. Uh, Was it creepy at all? No, not at all. No, it was actually really really cool. The way they built it. I mean, I could I could spend like the next hour talking about this. Oh. They uh because they would, all came after a fire and they had all sorts of um drainage, sewage, water issues sort of being built on top of a mudflat. They basically had everyone rebuild their shops. The first floor that they built, they said, "Okay, you build it, then it's going to become the basement. Build your second floor to become what's going to be the first floor." And then they raised up the streets to the second floor level, and that's why all of the underground stuff exists. It was pretty cool. Like, yeah. I mean, just the engineering element of it must have been fairly remarkable for the late 1800s. So, I don't know. I dug it. I thought it was pretty cool. If you have an opportunity, nice. I recommend it. The other thing I did this weekend is that I consumed whatever Mariner content was available to me.
1: Oh, I thought we were moving to food.
0: No, I ate. No, no, <laughs> I, I, uh, no, no. I, I consumed a tremendous amount of Mariner content. If it was out there on the web, I was looking for it. I was looking at what Divish was up to, what Shannon was up to, uh, national content, uh, Tom Verducci. Great Sports Illustrated writer who you know has gone on to become a, one of the voices of baseball. Uh, Tom wrote a long piece here about Jared Kelnick and the swing changes he made. If you're a baseball film junkie, of which I know there aren't quite as many as there are for football, uh, recommended. He's got cool still shots that show some of the changes Kelnick made. Uh, but he also gets into why it could be successful this time. Am I buying it? No, I'm not buying that the swing change is the thing that's going to get Jared Kelnick turned around, but it's worth reading, and we actually are going to talk to the great Tom Verducci coming up in 30 minutes or so, even less. At uh, 630 this morning, he's agreed to come on and uh, talk through what he wrote about Kelnick, so I recommend that. The other thing that happens is that Julio showed up, and that becomes the story. The moment Julio arrives coming off of the year he just came off of, he is immediately – the story, because of that unbelievable personality. Oh, hold on! I think that's what
2: endears him to our fan base so much is that it's just like the pure joy he plays with, and along with that, young players have a sort of innocence about them, you know. And, and fans and people love that, especially when they're really good players. <laughs> it's one thing to be, they have joy when you're not a good player, but when you have joy and you're a great player, and you know, you got the smile, and and uh, you know, he, he's an entertainer. And I think that's a big thing in our game. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, you know, those players can rub people the wrong way or they're cocky or whatever. And I don't think anybody feels that way with Julio because it's so genuine. Uh, So that's something that I hope he never loses. It's going to eventually change a little bit the longer you play and as he matures. But um, he's fun to watch.
0: He's right about all of that. And Julio does break the mold personality-wise of sort of what's allowed in baseball. Right, he's allowed to be a little flashier. He's allowed to be a little bit uh, more vocal in a team meeting or the person addressing the crowd after they clinch or whatever because of the joy, because of because of the style and because of the talent. And you put all of those things together, and you get Julio Rodriguez. Now, that doesn't mean that he is a fully formed product, neither on the field nor off the field. And I think that's something that they're going to watch this year. And I I keep coming back to this story, if you remember. Julio won Rookie of the Month last year. I want to say it was for June, right? Because April and May, he was still kind of iffy. So I'm guessing it was June. He wins Rookie of the Month. And there's a ton of media stuff. And everybody's excited because now Julio, right, is starting to fulfill his promises, the chosen one. And he goes 0 for 4, something like that, the next night. Do you remember what he did? He said no media. He's like, I got to take a break. Sorry, guys. I got to take a step back. And I know that's frustrating for the, you know, Shannon Dreyers and Divishes and Corey Brock's of the world. Totally get it. But I loved it. It doesn't mean he's got to do that forever. Ultimately, he's got to figure out how to be able to balance both of those things. But in that moment, he said, nope, sorry, baseball first. I had too much. I tried to get a little too far ahead of me. It runs very sharply in contrast to another former great star of Seattle who was willing to invest his time in numerous activities all at once. Perhaps you remember the name Russell Wilson. (laughs) Julio stands in sharp contrast in that way. And, look, I think Scott knows that's something they're going to have to kind of monitor this year. There's certainly
2: a lot of times in the second half of the season – last couple months or month and a half he didn't hit on the field he didn't do a lot of those things backed off um understanding the most important you know time this those three hours during the game um so he, he's learning uh, there i think there's things that we can do to help him out there um i think the biggest thing with him and i talked to him about it yesterday right, is his ability to manage his time and prioritize what's the most all this stuff's great but number one like baseball baseball be a good teammate and as long as those uh, priorities don't get out of whack, uh, which is no different than a lot of the other 21, 22-year-olds running around in the world right now. You know, it's time management.
0: There's that dad laugh, and there's that kind of dad time, dad right? advice. Yeah, like, hey, I know what it's like. You know, Scott's got a couple of kids who are in their at least 20s now. Uh, I think his daughter's getting married this year, right? Uh, so he knows he knows the challenges and what it's like being around somebody of that age and how to help them and guide them. And Julio's special, and he's mature. Certainly physically is ridiculous. I don't know. One of the things I consumed this weekend was uh, a little video of Julio hitting off of Isaiah Campbell. I don't know if oh, you yeah. saw that. Uh, Divish posted that, and Isaiah got up O two, 2 and Julio took him yard. Right? I mean, that that's just freak show athletic talent. Okay, great. He's definitely mature in that way. And I think it's up to Scott to kind of help him stay as mature as he has seemed off the field. And that's how you end up with everything you're looking for out of Julio Rodriguez this year. So really cool. Look, I'm just excited. Full squads out there today. Huge just to, to get this team coming off the first time we've seen them in the postseason since forever. What does spring training look like? We'll all be down there next week. Maura, Brock, Justin, and I. Uh, no Brock today. No Justin today. We're flying blind, but we've got the legendary David Burbank with us. And uh, thanks to all of you as well. So we'll be right back. We'll give you everything you need to know. And please stick around for Tom Verducci, who is one of the biggest names in baseball media. So uh, we're looking forward to talking to him in 20 minutes. Is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. SeattleSports.com. Need to know.
3: 15 minutes past
0: every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Oh, reporting day is today for the full squad. Although, honestly, between pitchers, catchers, WBC players, really anybody else who got there early. I don't know how many players are left to still arrive, but uh, still, it's another step along the way. And a good chance to see this team certainly as a whole unit. One thing that jumps out to me, this is probably the most intact group that I can remember at, at uh, Mariner Spring Training. I know a lot of people focused on the downside of not making a lot of changes to the roster this offseason, but the upside of that is that there's a level of consistency, not just on the field, but off of it. They're already together. You can see it from the early videos, et cetera. They're building on a foundation rather than needing to establish it from scratch. Scott Service knows exactly who they are. People look at our
2: team and how we're built, and we're built around pitching and defense, but we got some guys in the lineup that that can do damage. They're young. I think that, that's one thing that goes under the radar a little bit for us is we're still a very young team. You look at some of the teams that have, certainly they, they've got, you know, guys with, with more experience, but they're getting longer in the tooth and when you get older you have a tendency to have be more susceptible to injury and things like that. So hopefully that plays to our advantage. As these guys, you know, mature and understand who they are and, and just get more consistent, you know, I think that's gonna lead to more stability throughout our season is
0: huge. I love that. That's a good word, stability, and it's maybe one that we haven't talked that much about with the Mariners, and I get it. It's frustrating. Oh, I want Trey Turner. I want this guy. I want to upgrade that. Well, the Mariners did go out and upgrade at a couple of key spots. And they were able to keep some of that stability that I think maybe has been missing over the course of the last, oh, I don't know, 20 years. Rotation set for the start of games this week. Marco Gonzalez uh, in the lid lifter, of course, on Saturday. Matt Brash is supposed to pitch in that game as well. Luis Castillo goes Tuesday. I think you know I'll be ready for it. We'll be there. We're going to be there for Luis Castillo's first start.
1: Oh, oh I saw this yesterday. Oh, that's and I very was like, exciting. This going to be so
0: oh. Get to see Louise in person, all in. Logan Gilbert, George Kirby are not going to start games this weekend. That was already sort of planned as they're trying to keep the load a little light for their two young starters. Here's the second thing you need to know. Right, franchise tag window opens today, though I don't think we would expect to see anybody use that tag before the deadline, which, of course, is March 8th. Uh, so, yes, Gino is a possibility to be franchise tag, but we still have a couple of weeks for them to figure out what's going on there. Seahawks, what they do need is defensive linemen. Fortunately... I wonder how much competition they'll have to try to go get them. I was uh, looking at this athletic article over the weekend. It ranked each team's top needs this offseason in free agency. The other two that said defensive line were Kansas City and Cleveland. That was it. So that's a good sign, right? If only 10% of the league is looking for the same thing that you're looking for, at least as its primary need in the offseason I think that's great so doesn't mean it's going to be easy hopefully they'll loosen the market for some of those difference makers up front to on defense I guess I'm including edge guys in that as well because I would like to see major changes there I'd like to see a free agent addition I'd like to see a trade for somebody who plays that position and I'd like to see draft pick spent on that position that's how problematic I think their defensive line and front seven were last year in fact if you ask me honestly right now the only two players That I would guarantee a spot in next year's front, I'm not even going to say four, or let's call it the front five, Noosu and Mafe. Both those guys are on the roster next year. Everybody else, question mark. And I say that loving Al Woods. I think he's a really great productive player, but age concerns. Same with Shelby Harris. And everybody else, Puna Ford, Monet, everybody else who played last year, hey, I'm not saying no necessarily to any and all of them, but the only ones I would guarantee a roster spot to right now, as I said, would be Maffe. And Jenna. Coaching changes continue. Seahawks going back to the Rams' tree to find their new quarterback coach, Greg Olson, who worked with Waldron there, defensive assistant. Aaron Curry is also going to leave. He is going to be the linebacker's coach in Pittsburgh. And I suppose we should congratulate DK Metcalf. Oh, oh, oh wait. Trying to make a pass. Uh oh. <laughs> watch out, watch out for the train. We got Zion Williams. He's to make a decision. Oh, up! Oh,
2: oh. no. Stay
4: with your chest. DK, the dunking machine.
0: I can already see some early smoke from DK Metcalf. Yeah, he ended up being the uh, MVP of the All Star celebrity game. Congratulations, Sam. You dunk in a celebrity game like that, you're going to be the MVP. Right? You're obviously playing in a league that maybe is. Uh Couple rungs below what you're capable. of. you remember of.
1: a couple weeks ago at the when the Grammys were on, and you asked if like Busta Rhymes almost went a little yeah. too hard and turned yeah. else up? That's what DK did in yeah. the All Star Slip. Yeah,
0: you got like some like you know old musician who's just like, "Hey, thanks, man, <laughs> for dunking on me." Or for the <laughs> Here's the third thing you need to, to know. know. We'll talk more about him. I promise. Up and down weekend for the Kraken. They played one of their best games of the year Friday. Beat Detroit, who'd come in hot. Everly had two goals. Baneers was tremendous. And then they just laid an absolute stink job in San Jose yesterday. They lose 4 nothing to a fairly bad team. So hopefully that's just a trap game before Boston comes to town on Thursday because I don't want to see anything like what we watched yesterday. One thing, though, that is becoming clear with the Kraken, Philip Grubauer... That's your starting goaltender again, man. He has seized the number one spot. He was at his absolute best on Friday, and honestly, he's been playing fantastic hockey for about the last month or so. Tremendous golf tournament over the weekend as well at Riviera. John Rom, your big winner. I've been extremely
4: disciplined my whole career, but... Uh, right now, I'm seeing the dividends of
0: a lot of the hard work of it. Yeah, he's doing that and then some. He has been on a heater. He beats Max Homa out for the win. The big news, though, Tiger Woods walked all four rounds of a professional tournament for the first time in ages, and it was good. It was good. I mean, he was inconsistent. He was a little rusty. But all around, I mean, he hits some shots. You're just like, you got to be kidding me. At his age and coming off of what he's come off of and having to rebuild his swing the way he has, unbelievable. So he says he plans to play in all four majors this year and then sporadically beyond that, the toll on his body. Just too tough for him to do much more than that. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know. Whew, quarter past every hour here on the new Brock and Salk show. How much XFL did you watch, more?
1: Um, I watched the Dragons Defenders game. Okay. And then um, I went back and watched the highlights because I heard how exciting the uh, St. Louis San Antonio game ended. Yeah,
0: when those two teams get together, yeah. obviously, it's going to be a barn burner. <laughs>
1: But you know, because they do have some things that make it more exciting. It was like the last minute thirty that uh, I think St. Louis was down two scores, and they did a three point conversion after a touchdown.
0: Yes, and then so you can score nine points essentially on yeah. a touchdown.
1: And then there's an option instead of an onside kick to go for it on fourth and fifteen at the twenty five, and they converted that.
0: That seems to easier again. to convert than an onside kick in general.
1: Yeah, I remember. Well, like, the NFL floated that idea, right? I remember
0: it was a Jim Harbaugh who was trying to get them to do that, I right? Believe so I think that's what you told me. So, um, they said, yeah, no, thank you. I like that idea, I actually think it's fine, but if, I, if it were in the NFL, I think it would need to be fourth and twenty, yeah, in order to make it fair. Like the rules in the NFL are just so biased towards towards the offense that I think I would need to be closer to fourth and twenty. But yeah, I watched a few minutes of it. Um I saw the beer snake that, that seemed to be a thing. <laughs> that's what stood out. I saw lemons being hurled onto the field. Beer snake
1: got confiscated. Well,
0: that's you know, anytime why. you steal a beer snake, you better hurl lemons. Was there some combination between those two things? Like, was it like a... some sort of a Hefeweizen beer snake, and so people had fruited the beer and then were throwing it down? I was
1: wondering where all the lemons were
0: coming from. I I don't know if there's a connection there or if it's like a lemonade thing. I don't know. Kind of odd. All right. Uh, As I mentioned, the best thing I read this weekend was Tom Verducci on Jared Kelnick. Uh, Verducci, of course, uh, one of the biggest names in the game and part of the Fox broadcast of the World Series, et cetera. He's a longtime Sports Illustrated reporter, and he will join me to talk through this Kelnick stuff next. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. That 3-1. The swing on driven deep to right. J.K. got all of that baby. Way, way gone.
4: A home run for Jared Kelvin. It's 7 for Seattle. A 2
0: Oh, yeah. Jared Kelnick, the headline here in Sports Illustrated, SI.com, says Mariners' Jared Kelnick is primed for a turnaround in 2023. It was written by Tom Verducci, who's going to join me here. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, uh, the sub-headline, following some off-season adjustments, the 23-year-old and former top prospect could finally become a key contributor and help Seattle make a difference in the deep AL West. All right, well, I think we know some of that. The question is, what does he do in order to become that key contributor? Because I get it. Mariners fans who've been frustrated with Kelnick here, okay, he's made some swing adjustments. Well, that's sort of been the story of Kelnick, right? Some of these nonstop adjustments and, you know, which ones work, which ones don't. Does he have the confidence? Is it a physical issue? Is it a mental issue? Is it an emotional issue? I think they're all fair concerns. And Tom uh, got to some of the bottom of this. He joins me right now uh, from Sports Illustrated, Fox Sports, and also from MLB Network. Tom Verducci, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing today? Uh, Great, and thank you. It's a really cool article on on Kelnick and a great deep dive. Uh, First of all, what did you learn?
3: Uh, I learned that he's in a really good place mentally. Um, You know, listen, it's tough to get yourself established in the big leagues no matter how talented you are, and he knows that as well as anybody. Um, And I think things snowballed on him. And I think, uh, you know, listen, we haven't played a game that counts yet, so, you know, hold off on final judgments here, but it begins with being in good mental space. It really sounds like he's in that place. Um, You know, encouraging things happened in last September. It sounds like he had a good off season in terms of attacking some of the things that the Mariners wanted him to, to make adjustments on. So that's all positive. And I think also it's funny how sometimes when you fail and the expectations get lowered, it puts you in a better, better mental space. He doesn't have to feel like he has to be the guy right now because listen, it's probably a part-time role. Uh, In a best case scenario, at least to start. And, you know, certainly the way Julio Rodriguez broke out last year, a lot of focus is going to be on Julio. And, And now he can just go about and do his business. And I'm sure he wants to be more than a complimentary player. But right now, that's what the expectation is. You know, just be a decent complimentary player and you don't have to be a superstar right away.
0: I'm glad you mentioned failure is it's one of those things that, of course, is somewhat unique to baseball. Right. The idea of dealing with failure. And you know, we, we see it here locally. And I think that's been one of Jared's challenges. He'd never really failed before making it to the major leagues. As you cover all 30 teams, how common is that problem? And I guess the the other part of it is, did it become exacerbated a little bit with the players that missed time in the minor league development stage due to the due to the pandemic?
3: yeah I mean, that's a great point about this generation that went through sort of that lost year. and it's not just the repetitions. it's development that goes on. It's what you mentioned there too. And when things go bad and you have to respond to it, you just lose those opportunities. And there's just no way that playing on a field, you know, in controlled situation, a scrimmage type situation at, at an alternate site is going to duplicate that. So, yes, I think that's part of it. But I think the b- bigger part is dealing with failure in that, you know, it's so easy for athletes, especially a young athlete, to be really focused on results. And, you know, we'll put their bag averages up in bright lights on the scoreboard every time they step to the plate. And one of the rare, rare things you'll find is someone like Julio Rodriguez, and I saw this with Derek Jeter as well, where they don't worry about the results. And you take the worry out of what's going to happen if I don't come through, you're talking about a more relaxed player. It's a very hard place to get to. Certain guys just have that, I think, built that within their DNA. I mean, I think of Buster Posey, Evan Longoria, Derek Jeter, Julio Rodriguez. These are all guys who hit the major leagues and were so comfortable that veteran players started looking to them as rookies to sort of be leaders, if not in the clubhouse, at least when things happening on the field. So it's a, it's a difficult place to get to. Some people have it naturally. Uh, it's more of a learning curve. And yes, you have to go through these failures to learn. And, and I think for the guys who really care, it sounds like Jared's one of these guys who really, really cares. It's probably not the right thing to say, but maybe sometimes cares too much mm-hmm. because there's so much advice you get when things go bad. Uh, maybe you start overcorrecting something. So uh, I think letting things go, it's a very difficult place to get to. But, you know, going through these experiences help you get there.
0: Can you think of a guy that did? You know, I'm trying to think, of, you know, the, the the guys who are relaxed, right, who sometimes even get accused of being too relaxed. I think of Manny Ramirez, right, who, you know, famously in 2007 says, yeah, if we lose tomorrow, no big deal, right? We'll just go home and we'll get them next year. People are like, what? And then they go on to to sweep the the Cleveland Indians at that point and not lose again the rest of the year. But are there the opposite? Are there guys who did care, quote-unquote, too much who end up figuring that out as they get older?
3: Yeah, probably. I'm sure there are. Um, I first thought about Dustin Pedroia, who really struggled when he got to the big leagues, but he was just uber confident. I don't think he ever doubted himself when the results were bad. Um, so that's another guy who's maybe cut from a little bit of a different cloth. Uh, Matt Williams was one of those guys. I mean, he had a terrible start to his big career, big league career. Had a lot of expectations on him. Uh, was sort of an introverted type of guy. Really didn't like the spotlight. Um, didn't really respond well when things went badly. But again, like Jared, he was young. He was twenty-one, twenty-two when he got to the big leagues. That's the other thing too. I mean, it's, we're not talking about somebody in their mid-twenties. I mean, he's still growing, probably even physically, but certainly emotionally. So. Probably Matt Williams is the one I, I think comes to mind where a guy just failed right out of the box and, uh, you know, had to go backward to go forward. And the classic example obviously is Roy Halladay who went all the way down to a ball. I mean, he couldn't get anybody out, but he had to actually kind of reteach himself how to throw a baseball completely changed his mechanics and got himself um, in a really good place. with The help of Harry Dorfman, a sports psychologist, but that was a major turnaround.
0: Hmm. Why does age seem to matter so much in baseball? I, I, you know, why is it so challenging for younger players to make their mark as opposed to other, other sports?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. We've been spoiled in recent years because we've seen people like Trout and Harper and Julio and Fernando Tatis and Ronald Acuna Jr. And there's just so many guys who seem to hit the ground running at 21-22. They're the pure exceptions. And growth in baseball is certainly not linear. I mean, there's definitely a roller coaster effect to improvement. And it's a good question about the, um, the age. I think it has a lot to do with repetitions. Now, I think amateur baseball has changed a lot, and Jared certainly played a lot of uh, high-quality amateur baseball. But um, you can only get so many repetitions as a player um, to get yourself better. So it takes time. You have to fail, as you said, to really succeed. And it's just, it's hard to shorten that learning curve. Now, I think the game has done better in terms of shortening that learning curve because you can play high quality baseball a lot when you're younger. uh, So you see better competition, but it's a good point that, you know, even the best players tend to go through this learning curve where they're going to have to put in two, three, four years in the minor leagues before they become established big leaguers.
0: Yeah, and obviously the mental aspect of it. I found myself thinking as I was reading your, your article, and, I, and I've thought about this a little bit before, that, that physical, mental, and emotional are three kind of different categories that all seem to come together. And in Kelnick's case, I find myself thinking that he's obviously got the physical. There's no doubt about that. I wonder on, on the challenges he's had, are they more on the mental sort of thinking through the game side of it or the emotional regulation side of it?
3: Well, I think from a baseball point of view, the hardest thing right now to me, the great separator, is identifying breaking pitches and being able to make what they call good swing decisions. When I started out covering baseball, the biggest jump was velocity. You know, you didn't see elite velocity until you got to the big leagues, and pitchers would challenge you right away to see if you could hit 95-plus, or back in the day it was probably (laughs) 93-plus. And now, because it's become such a game predicated on spin where fastballs now are actually thrown a minority of the time, the biggest separator is can you stay off breaking balls? Because most, the vast majority of breaking balls are not in the strike zone. They present in the zone and come out of the zone. So the guys who can identify those as pitches they cannot hit or shouldn't hit, because you'll be back in the minor leagues if you keep chasing breaking balls out of the zone. Those guys are the ones who succeed. And I think that's the biggest leap now to make when you're talking about guys who are successful in the minors and trying to establish themselves in the big leagues. You see so much spin, and you have to recognize, I, you know, that's a pitch I have to stay off of. Or that's actually a strike-breaking ball, and I can hit that pitch. So swing decisions, I think, from a baseball point of view is probably his biggest challenge right now. I think what he's done um, with his setup and swing, he's probably better equipped this year, I would think, to uh, handle velocity and catch up to that, which was a problem last year. Um, but probably the emotional side. But, yes, I, I think you're right. And I think that's why I think the expectations lowered. Uh, the role they've carved out for him or you know, with Pollock there, he doesn't have to see the tough left-handers. Uh, he's got a little bit more of a runway here to get his feet on the ground and have success early, which is going to be the key to his season. Yeah. I mean, looking at his season last year, the way he struggled early and then trying to find something on the big league level that works, that's really hard to do. I, hopefully he's got something that's a little more sustainable.
0: Yeah, I, and unfortunately with our, our shared backgrounds of being you know northeast covering Northeast teams, et cetera, I, I've kind of gone back and, and thought about Trott Nixon with him. And, oh, yeah. and, and if you remember, when Trot came up finally after Nomar had passed him, they kind of did the same thing. They hit him ninth all year and they didn't hit him against lefties no matter what. And if Jared Kellnick could and he was kind of wired similarly, same sort of tough dad and tough family that was hard on him, et cetera. I, I wonder if that that would be a great career accomplishment for him would be to become Trott Nixon.
3: I think that is a good comp. I think when you look and you see someone who's ranked as high as fourth on prospects lists, you know, that's pretty much about physical tools. You know, those lists really can't do really super deep dives into, you know, the emotional and psychological uh, profiles of players. I don't think to project them out. So he definitely has the tools to be a, I'm going to say a premier player, maybe even an all-star in the big leagues. But I think that Trotnick's comparison is good because when I see Kalnick, I see a guy right now who has to conquer the swing and miss. He's got too much of that in this game. But when he does hit the ball, he squares it up. He's got, definitely got power like a Trot Nixon. So there's a, there's a lot of pop in there. That's not nothing in today's world. So uh, I like that comparison, actually, that Trot Nixon actually carved out a really, really good career. Was he a number three or four hitter in the big leagues? No, but a major contributor on winning teams.
0: You buying the Mariners, Tom?
3: I am. I I like the way they play baseball. I like the fact that they're a little more balanced this year um, offensively. You know, the, you always have to like their pitching, right? I mean, they're sort of like the Rays. They figured out a way to pitch where they love um, guys who throw from extreme arm angles, uh, especially the lower angle, pitching high in the zone. They spin the ball really well. So I don't worry about them pitching. The rotation is just rock solid, as good as as whatever is out there. Um, I thought they were short offensively last year. It's amazing they won 90, but again, they found a way to win a lot of these close games. So, to have a little bit more margin of error to push that number above 90, it's going to take a, a much better offense. Like I'm not talking about a three or four you know, uh, best in the league type offense, but a little better than mid- middle of the pack offense. And I think they have that this year. So, yeah, I like the move that they made. Uh, Teoscar is going to be a big addition in that middle of the lineup, proven run producer. So, Listen, that, that division, I think, if it's not the toughest in baseball, it's, it's the most competitive, I think, um, because any one of the, I think, that four of those five teams can be capable of making the playoffs, including Texas. Texas, to me, is a legit postseason contender now. So the way it shakes out is going to be really interesting. But, yes, uh, I like the momentum CL has and above everything else. I love their starting pitching.
0: Well, that's cool and, and good to hear. And we're going to see you, I would assume, this year uh, for the All-Star game.
3: Yeah, really looking forward to that. You know, it's so cool when I look around baseball. I see what's happened in San Diego now. It's become a a real, real baseball town. Uh, You see baseball coming back to Seattle at that real fanatic level. I, I think Baltimore is starting to get the bug again, Toronto. There's a lot of cool places in baseball now where, you know, the baseball calendar now isn't just six months or in the bad years, three or four months where people are really following their teams all year round. That's really cool to see.
0: Well, we're looking forward to it. Uh, full squad reported today, and, and uh, this is as excited as I can remember fans in Seattle, certainly during my you know, 14, 15 years here. So, hey, we appreciate it. Thanks for taking a few minutes with us this morning, and uh, we'll look forward to, to hearing you talk some Mariners and maybe do some Mariner games this year. You got it. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right. There you go. There's Tom Verducci from SI.com and Fox and MLB and uh, read it on Kellnick. It is good. And look, I get it. If you're cynical and you read Jared Kellnick's made swing changes and now he's going to be okay, And you say, wait a minute, didn't I read that last year? Yeah, I get it. I feel the same way. Right. I mean, like, it's easy to sort of pass those things off and be like, yeah. All right. Been there, done that. But what else? What else is he supposed to do right now? Is he supposed to come in and say, I'm bad? Is he supposed to come in and say, I did nothing? Um, like, what do you want to hear about Jared Kelnick right now? I get it that you're not going to fully believe it until you see it in the regular season. Me neither. But what else is he supposed to do right now? What else is he supposed to say? This is all he's had the opportunity to do. And so he he did chat with reporters over the weekend. I, of course, can't wait to get down there and talk to him next week because he's just one of my favorite people to interview. I think he's a really thoughtful, interesting uh, thought-provoking kind of a guy. Um, but they asked him, all right, so are these changes you made noticeable? I mean, hopefully you've noticed more productivity. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but like, in, a, in terms of, like, no, just appearances? No, no I mean, obviously
4: I'm not going to be able to – I don't know. It's going to be up to you guys to see it. Um, you know, I – and it's pretty natural now because I've been working it for so long, so obviously you guys haven't seen me since the end of the year, so it's probably going to be more – it's probably going to be easier for you guys to see a difference than for me to tell you.
0: Yeah, it's like if you haven't seen your friend for a couple of years and like come back, like, "Man, you got old. What happened?" Right. Whereas if you see somebody every day, you are like, "Oh, well, everyone just sort of looks the same. You don't notice the aging process." And I guess the, the same probably for him with his swing. Uh, he did go through some of his goals of what he was looking to accomplish this offseason. That
4: was the focus. Um, my goal this, this off season was to be a sponge and learn as much as I possibly could, um, but then also, you know, get to a spot where I could teach it too because. Like, I think anytime you really learn something is when you can teach it. Um, and that's really what my goal was going to this offseason, especially about the swing. And uh, uh, I feel like I'm in a good spot going into camp.
0: Look, here's the, here's the thing. Here's why this makes me a little nervous, okay? I, look, I, you know how I've, no one has been a more staunch Kellnick supporter than me. And I believe in the kid. And when I see this text that says the only thing I want to hear about Kelnick is that he's been traded, he's gotten two shots and bombed, I disagree wholeheartedly. Why would you want, first of all, don't trade an asset when they're not worth much? Second of all, like I think that he's only 22, 23 this year. There's a tremendous amount of of upside left in that bat, but whatever. I don't care about Jared Kelnick's swing. I don't. I don't think his swing has ever held him back. Verducci goes through some of the details of, of why maybe it did. All right. Maybe a little bit. But I don't think Jared Kelnick's problems are physical. I think they're mental and emotional. And so I'm glad he fixed the swing. That's great. Maybe he was worried about it. And maybe thinking about it was causing him to not spend the time thinking about the mental and emotional parts of the game, which I think are more important right now to him. Maybe. I mean, I don't know, but let's, let's assume that's the case. And if so, if fixing the swing and feeling more comfortable with it allows him to focus on the other things, great. Then that will be worthwhile. But I don't think Jared Kelnick's problems are because he wasn't swinging well. His problems were pitch recognition. His problems were handling the failure and getting mad and breaking bats and going, you know, yelling at umpires and going into the clubhouse or the tunnel and and throwing stuff. That's emotional regulation. His problems were with ad- identifying a breaking ball when it was coming and knowing the counts and this, that, and the other. And that is not fixed by fixing your swing. But did if you at fix-
1: least see some growth with that when he came back up the last time.
0: Yes, I think we did. But again, like what what's holding him back from being Jared Kelnick with a capital J and K? It, it, it's 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 the it's the mental and emotional sides of the game, I think, more so than the physical. But I guess if 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 feeling more comfortable and confident in the physical allows you to spend your mental time focused on the 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 mental and emotional part, then great. Then maybe that's maybe that's what works.
4: Baseball is a game where it isn't what have you done for me. It's what like what have you. It isn't what have you done in the past. It's what you're gonna do, continue to do in the future. Um, so I, I don't look at I don't look at my inconsistent success in the big leagues as a lack of ability at all. Um, I look at it as a lack of information that I had. Uh, and just like this offseason, I said I learned a lot. Had a lot of opportunities to learn from a lot of great people. And uh, now that I have more information that I would like, um, I can go out and apply what I've learned. And, you know, I think you're going to see a lot more successes here. And, you know, we're going to win a lot more games.
0: So, look, I mean, again, I'll take him at his word, right? I'm not here to doubt Jared Kelnick. And I absolutely want him to have that attitude. When we get down there and we have an opportunity to talk to him, hopefully, I think the question I'm going to ask him is when you say you learned a lot this off offseason and, and, and you saw it as a lack of information in the past, do you mean physically or mentally?
1: I'm so curious about that as well, because I do remember a point last year when he seemed very frustrated when he got sent back down where he told, I can't remember whose story it was, but he told someone that there were too many voices in his head. Yeah. And so it seems like he was getting a lot of information, but maybe he feels he wasn't getting the right.
0: I think that was me. Remember, I went down there and I talked to him. I, I think it was me. who he said that to or If not, he said something <laughs> kind of similar to it. Um, but yeah, no. I, I, so what is it that what is it that he felt like he learned and what is it that he yeah. got some information on? Is it knowing what to do with a 2-1 pitch or is it, you know, fixing the left foot during the swing? I hope it's a lot more the former than the latter, and I think that's going to have a much bigger effect on him. But I'll tell you, one thing you can't disagree with, whether it's what he just said or what Tom Verducci says in his column, which, again, I recommend at SI.com, if Kelnick takes off, if he has a good year, I don't mean a great year. I don't mean if he becomes that guy who is, you know, top five prospect in the game, perennial all-star, MVP candidate. Forget that. Okay, that let's call that a pipe dream, or at least right now. Maybe one day. Who knows? If he's just a good player, if he just hits 250, which I know sounds bad to people who've been watching baseball a long time, but in the modern game, 250 would be great. If he hits 20 home runs, right? If he gets on base, if he plays the solid defense and, and, and steals some bags, which, by the way, he's done perfectly since getting called up at, at no point have his struggles influenced negatively his defense or his base running. If he can do those things this year, just be a good player in left field, just lock that down. Oh, oh, totally different season. (laughs) Seriously. This team's off and running. I agree with everything we just heard from Verducci. They have a a rock-solid pitching staff. That's how they're built. They added some players that will make the lineup better. Are they going to be a top-five offense? No. Even if Kelnick is great, Probably not, not in this ballpark and probably not in general, but if he's a good player and it closes that hole in left field, that makes your team significantly better. Is he the key to this season? No, I said that last year and I was probably wrong. Obviously, I mean, he did nothing and they still survived and made it to the playoffs more than survived. They thrived. So I'm not going to say Jared Kellnick's a key to this season. Starting pitching is going to be the key to the season, of course. And can they continue to you know win these one-run games and all the stuff that we've talked about. But is he the wild card that can put you over the top and do more and maybe get you to win a division? Yes. I do think that a, a great season, even a good season, from Jared Kelnick has that level of impact on this team and, and what they're capable of. So well,
1: Maybe that helps him because it feels like the pressure is off a little bit because I, the expectations are lowered. 100%.
0: What, what are we expecting from him? Be a platoon player and left. Okay, great. That's all I need? Just be good? Don't stink up the joint? Beat out Cade Marlowe. All right, I think I can go do those things. And by the way, if it doesn't work, we've talked about this now a few times, and we heard from Jeff Pass in a week or two ago, if they need to go trade for a left fielder in May or June, not that hard to do. Great. Go bring in the left fielder, but now you've at least given Kelnick this shot to see with what he, you know, what he did this off season was as effective as he seems to think. So cynical, yeah, I understand some cynicalness or some cynicism rather today. I understand if you doubt it a little bit, that's all fine. I don't blame you. That's how I'm wired as well. But I do kind of believe in this kid because I believe in the talent, and I think you got to continue to give him opportunities to prove that he's capable of it. Great stuff from Tom Verducci. Uh, If you missed any of that, uh, you can find it, of course, seattlesports.com or anywhere you can get your podcasts. Uh, All right, up next. Um, As I said, I was gobbling up Mariners videos, Mariners content all weekend long. Four things stood out above everything else. Tell you what those are next.